Well, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, whatever time of day it is when you may tune in. Welcome to you, and thank you for tuning in. This is Minister Kay Mortimer with Covenant Truth Ministries, and God bless you today. I pray that this will be a blessing to you today. I'd like to speak today on the topic of mist or vapor, whichever you want to call it. And and I'm coming today humbly with a grieving heart as we explore this topic. As our nation, and perhaps even around the world, grieves the loss of so many innocent children and adults who died in tragedy, not just yesterday, but even in other events, but there's one that's well known right now because it just happened yesterday at the time of this taping in Texas. And we pray for the comfort of the Holy Spirit of the living God, from God our Father, the God of all comfort, to them, to be granted as only God can, because only God can touch the heart of those mothers and fathers and grandparents and sisters and brothers and children and aunts and uncles and all who are involved and that whole community in Texas. And our hearts go out to them and our prayers are with them. So we do grieve, but we must address the truth and reality because this reminds us of the brevity of life and the reality of eternity. Yesterday morning, all of those children and teachers woke up as a normal day. They went to work. They went to school as normal. Parents dropped off children as normal, kissed them goodbye, said, I love you, see you later. But they didn't realize that that would be the last time they'd be able to see them alive this side of heaven. These tragedies, though we grieve them and we don't take away from that at all, that pain is very real, but it reminds us and brings into stark reality the brevity of life and the inevitability of eternity. Scripture speaks of this in striking detail and clarity. And when I woke up this morning, the Lord really stressed in my heart that I needed to deliver this message. So I pray that you will have receptive hearts and hear that it does come from a heart grieving for those families but also well aware that every one of us today could be our last day. We do not know that. Not one person knows the day of their death. So we must understand these truths and come face to face with them. Life is brief. It's very precious, but it's also very brief. So I want us to look at the scriptures and understand a few key points from the heart of God today in reference to this topic. James chapter 4, beginning in verse 13, says this, Come now, you who say, Today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a city, spend a year there, buy and sell and make a profit. Whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. 
James is recording for us here. He's actually quoting from places in the Old Testament, such as Job 7, verse 7, and Psalm 102, verse 3, as well as Isaiah chapter 40. He says our life is but a vapor. It's a mist. It's a breath, not breathing, not many breaths, only one respiration, one exhalation. Think about your breath. Matter of fact, take a moment right now and do a breath in and a breath out. Take one in and out. It's very quick. Normally, the body does that without even thinking about it. It's an automatic thing. So you don't really realize how many breaths you take in a second or in a minute. It's very quick. I looked it up and a normal healthy adult, the average breathing for a normal healthy adult is 12 to 16 breaths per minute, which approximates to about three and a half to five breaths per second, per second, not per minute, per second. So you are experiencing, let's say, three, four, five breaths every single second. And your body does it, and many times we're not even grateful to the Lord for that. It's one of those things that we tend to take for granted, unless you have breathing troubles like some of us do. But a normal, healthy adult will breathe perhaps 12 to 16 times per minute. James is telling us in the scripture, and he's actually quoting from the Old Testament, from the Tanakh, which tells us that our life is a mist. It's one breath. It's that quick. It's that brief. The root of this word in the Hebrew, in the Old Testament, for vapor or mist as we're calling it here, is to breathe. It's the same as the Greek word. It means to breathe, to respire. And every one of those is given as a gift from God. He holds everyone. Notice this in Job chapter 12. I want to read verses 9 and 10. It says this, Who among all these does not know that the hand of the Lord has done this? in whose hand is the life of every living thing and the breath of all mankind, of all people. Our breath, every one of them, all 12 to 16 per minute, are held in the hand of the Lord. He controls them all. He chooses to grant to us each one that we have and that we experience. In Job chapter 34, beginning of verse 12, I want to read 12 through 16. Surely God will never do wickedly, nor will the Almighty pervert justice. Who gave him charge over the earth, or who appointed him over the whole world? If he should set his heart on it, if he should gather to himself his spirit and his breath, all flesh would perish together and man would return to dust. If you have understanding, hear this 
Listen to the sound of my words. The author here is saying to us that if God were to call back his very breath, his spirit, because see, when he created man, he breathed into man the breath of life, the word of God tells us. And then man became a living being. And if God were to call that back, then every single person would breathe their last and everyone would be taken from us all. That's what he's saying here. God controls everyone. Our very breath is held in his hands. Every single one of them is held by the Lord. The psalmist in Psalm chapter 31 verse 15 says this, My times are in your hand. Deliver me from the hand of my enemies and from those who persecute me. The Lord's hand holds our times. Ecclesiastes 3 talks about the various times or seasons of life. One of the things it says is there is a time to live and a time to die. Life is very brief. We don't take this topic lightly. Death is a very tragic thing at times, and it's always a very somber and solemn moment. And there is grieving by those who miss their loved ones. That's not to be denied. But every person will experience death at some point. And it's right in our face. It's inevitable. And we must understand what the scripture has to teach us about this. Because every person, when they die, and when that final breath is taken from them, will find themselves in eternity. And eternity is a very, very long time. Eternity, I like to look at it like this. It's kind of like a number line. When you were in school and you learned about a number line and it goes, it has an arrow at the end of it to the left and an arrow at the end of it to the right, signifying its infinity. In other words, it goes back unendingly. It just keeps on going. And it goes forward unendingly. It keeps on going. That's kind of like eternity is. It's unending. It is forever. And our little lifespan is just a breath or a vapor. It's one teeny, tiny, microscopic speck. So very small, you would never be able to see it with the naked eye, probably not with even the highest powered telescope or microscope that we have today. It's like a tiny little pixel, perhaps. Today, if you're into graphic artists and images and things like that, you may, you know a lot more about this than I do. I don't know a whole lot, but I do know this, that they're made of little pixels. And my understanding is that the pixel is the smallest controllable element of an image. It's very tiny. It's very small. Matter of fact, it's the tiniest and the smallest of all of them. So we might be one teeny-weeny little pixel in the large, unending number line called eternity. And that's what our life's vapor is. The Bible gives an average for life. 
It mentions in Psalm 90 about 70, maybe, if by reason of strength, 80 years. But the point is, none of us can count on that. And we have multiple examples of that. And yesterday's tragedy is only one reminder that any day longer is not guaranteed. Tomorrow is not guaranteed, as James points out also in the passages that we read. Death of anyone always brings us face to face with the stark reality of its inevitability and its inescapability. The question that no one knows the answer to is when will you die? When will I die? When will our earthly life end? The Bible does not tell us individually. It does not say that Susan will die tomorrow. It does not say that Jan will die five months from now on a Tuesday. It does not tell me that I'm going to die at any particular day. It doesn't tell us specific days. And there's valid reasons for that. For one thing, we would put off everything good and we would waste our time and spend it irreverently until right then. And then we'd say, oh, I've got to get right because tomorrow's when I'm dying or whatever. So it doesn't tell us. And God has his reasons for that. We don't know. But it does give us this point, this important principle that we must remember every day. And that is we must be ready for eternity because you do not know and I do not know when our last breath will be and we will enter into eternity. So the point is we must secure our eternal destiny today because today could be our last day as this awful tragedy just proved for those involved, and for those mourning families. Now, I personally don't believe that we have to wonder about the children as far as their choice and their eternal destiny. I believe that they would be received by the Lord into heaven in this moment because they very likely have not attained to an age of accountability, if you want to call it that, an age when they understand the choice for their eternal destiny as to whether they would believe in Jesus or reject him. They may have received him. They may have rejected him up to this point, but the full revelation and understanding may not have come to them at their young age. So I do believe that they are with the Lord and have been welcomed into his arms. The adults, however, had to make their own choice as well. And we cannot say, we can only hope that their choice was that they believed in the Lord Jesus and that they also are in heaven this very moment, welcomed by our Lord. When your end comes, only one thing matters, and that is your eternal destiny. There's only two choices, and the choice must be made in this life now, this side of death, because at the moment your last breath comes, your choice 
is then executed at your death. Similar to you would write a will and it becomes effective when the person dies. Your choice is like your will. You've made your decision on where you want to spend eternity. And when that moment comes, it is executed right then. There's only two choices for eternity. There is heaven and there is hell. And beloved friend, I must tell you the truth based on the word of God. I will not add to it and I will not take away from it. Not everybody will go to heaven. That's where I think most everybody thinks they're going and that's where most everybody wants to go. And they may have wild ideas about what heaven is like. And they may have wild ideas about what hell is like. And they may not think they're going to hell or to heaven. Maybe they think they're going to one and not the other. But both are very real places. Both are very real places. Hell is very real and very literal. It is a place of eternal torment. There's no getting out. There is no escape. Scripture is very clear. The fire is never quenched. The worm never dies. The torment never ceases. The pain, loneliness, and thirst never ends. There is no such thing as partying with friends in hell. It's total and utter and eerie darkness, the kind that will make your skin crawl. It is total isolation and separation from anything good, merciful, and kind, and eternal separation from God and from His light and His glory. Scripture calls it the second death in the book of Revelation, and we need to understand that according to Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27, all people will die once. If Unless you happen to be one who's alive at the time the Lord comes to gather his bride back to himself, those are the only ones who will not go through the actual door of death as we know it. All will die once. But the second death is not a part of God's will for any person. The Bible tells us exactly who hell was created for. And it, not one person has to ever go there. God doesn't send people to hell. They make their choice and it's executed on their deathbed at their final breath. If they choose to go there by rejecting the only way, truth and life, the only one who can give eternal life. And that is Jesus the Christ. It's not God's will for anyone to go there. It was created for the devil and his, his minions. Not one person should have to go there. The Bible makes that very clear in several places, but I want to read one of them. In 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 8 and 9, it says this, But beloved, do not forget this one thing, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Turning from their sin and turning to the Lord, repenting, calling upon his name, asking him to forgive us for our sins, that is good news, beloved friend. There is good news. 
Hell is a very real, literal place, but you do not have to go there. You do not have to have the execution of hell and the second death given to you at your death. You can be saved right here, right now, today. According to Peter in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 24 and 25, the word of God contains the gospel, the good news, the way of salvation. Paul even affirms this when he wrote to Timothy and he told Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3, you've got to continue in the word of God. You've learned the scriptures. You've learned from childhood for they are able to make you wise to salvation. They are able to lead you and teach you the way of salvation. And it is through being born again. Jesus will confirm that to us. It's through being born again. Some have even said it this way. If you're born once only, you will die twice. But if you're born twice, you will only die once. And then you will enter everlasting life. That's just a, a neat little way to remember that about being born again. If you're born only once in this life and you do not choose Jesus Christ and become born again, you will have to experience the second death forever. There's no escape. It's eternal. But if you are born twice, if you're born physically and then you're born by the Spirit of the living God, you're born again because you put your faith and your hope in Jesus Christ, you will only die one time and then you will have everlasting life with the Lord himself. I want us to read this in a few verses from John chapter 3. Jesus answered and said to him, meaning Nicodemus, he's talking to Nicodemus, most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water, in other words, born the first time naturally through the regular process, and the Spirit, the Spirit of the living God, born by the Spirit of God, born of the Spirit of God. He cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit, of the Holy Spirit of God. Then down in verse 14, he continues talking to Nicodemus and he says these words. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up that whoever believes in him. Notice this. Whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever, here it is again, whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Jesus is the salvation for the world. He is the Savior that has come and he has paid the price for us 
on the cross. You see, beloved friend, according to Romans, Paul tells us and teaches us, according to the whole of the scripture, there is a sin debt that has come down through all of the line of mankind from Adam and Eve all the way down. And they were the only people at that time. And sin entered the world. They succumbed to Satan, to his temptations. They fell and brought sin and its consequences into the earth, which includes death. The wages of sin is death. Now, everybody's going to die. But this is talking about the eternal death, eternal separation from God, that second death that we spoke of earlier. And there was a ransom that had to be paid to buy back all mankind. And it was very high. The ransom is very costly, according to Psalm chapter 49. And there's only one person that has ever paid it or been able to pay it. And that is the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus paid our sin debt. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Jesus paid your sin debt, and he paid mine. And simple faith in him, believing that his death on the cross for your sin and for mine was sufficient. His blood was enough ransom to pay our debt, forgive us of our sin, and redeem us back to God. That is saving faith. Spoken of here in John chapter 3 and all through the New Testament in many, many places. God is pleading today. He is pleading for us to come back home and receive him and as many as will they will be saved as many as will call upon his name in sincere faith, confessing their sins, repenting, turning to God, stopping going the wrong way, and turning and coming to the Lord. When you make that choice, you are saved. You are eternally saved. You are born again. So you only have to die physically, and then you will enter everlasting life. Praise be to God. That's the good news. Those are the ones who will go to heaven. God has done that work, but it requires sincere faith in Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. And when we do that, according to Peter, in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18 and 20, we learn that the precious blood of Jesus has redeemed us. It was costly, but it paid the price for us. I want to begin to close us out by looking at 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17 through chapter 6, verse 2. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Meaning, in other words, our ministry is to go out and tell other people, you can be saved. You don't have to go to hell. You don't have to fear death. You can have your eternal destiny secured 
so that you are ready at any moment in any day. The word of reconciliation. Now then, he goes on, we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Please, beloved friend, hear the heart of God speaking to you even right now. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. We then, as workers together with him, also plead with you not to receive the grace of God in vain, for he says, in an acceptable time I've heard you, and in the day of salvation I've helped you. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Now, today, you may not have another day. That teacher and those students never would have dreamed that yesterday would be their last. But that can happen to anybody. And we must make sure that we have secured our eternal destiny. Today, right now, right now you can be saved. And when you are born again, when you are born anew, born twice, born from above, you do not have to fear death because your eternal home is secured. You will be welcomed there by, I believe, the Lord himself. I want us to close out by looking at two scriptures from the Psalms. The first one is found in Psalm chapter 48, verse 14, and it says this, For this is God, our God, forever and ever, remember the number line, forever and ever, He will be our guide even to death, even into death is what it's talking about there. He will be our guide even into death. And then I want us to look at one more, and it's found in Psalm chapter 73, and it's verse 24. And the psalmist says this, You will guide me with your counsel, and afterward receive me to glory. In other words, when this life is over, God will receive his own into glory, into eternal, everlasting life. When you know Jesus, you don't have to fear death. Life is very brief, and every single life is precious. And we do grieve over the loss of life and this tragedy. But we must remember, life is brief, and eternity is forever. A very, very, very long time. Unending, timeless. It's like that number line, and we're just one teeny tiny microscopic pixel somewhere in that line. Make sure your home is secured with Jesus forever. Don't delay. Do it today while you still can, because you may or may not have a tomorrow in your future. We don't know that. Don't delay. Don't put it off. Come to Jesus today. Be born again today. 
Hear the heart of God calling out to you. Be reconciled to God today. He's pleading for you to come home today while you still can. Pray that this has been a blessing to you. And Lord willing, you can join us here for more episodes and messages from Covenant Truth Ministries as the Lord lays them upon our hearts. God bless you today in Jesus' name.